of you in our church family here at the cross. I'm so happy that we're here together. If you're just joining us, we're actually in part three of the message series called Different. And today's message is called A Different Calling in a, different, in, in a Dark World. A Different Calling in a Dark World. And what we're going to do is we're going to continue to study First Peter. We're pulling out some of the highlights from it. Um, I encourage you to uh, make notes um, along with those scriptures. They're pretty much all First Peter um, right in a row. And so we're just trudging along through the book and, and remembering the context in which this book has been written in. Um, as I said earlier, uh, before we started service today, the, the persecution was heavy during this time. Um, and uh, with heavy hearts, certainly Peter was writing to these hurting um, people. If I asked you today, show of hands, how many of you would be excited, overwhelmed with anticipation if you realized that God was calling you to do something specifically? Be pretty excited if God was calling you to do something specifically. That'd be pretty exciting. Uh, I, I wonder how many would say, I'm completely in. I want to know what God is calling me to do. Sign me up. And I want to talk about that today. How exactly it is that God is calling you, and you, and you, and you, and you. How God wants to, you to be set apart. How exactly you can begin to transform into what Scripture has focused on this study to be different from this world. How are we going to do that? Um, I'll give you a little insight as to how I studied for this message series. Uh, this week, normally, I would read a whole bunch of commentaries. I would, I would research a, a number of different um, literature books. Um, there's a number of websites that I'm able to use for research material. Um, but instead of reading the commentaries that were relevant to the scripture, um, first of all, how many of you know what a commentary is? Yeah, so maybe half and half. So the commentary is what many of your Bibles have that's running along the side or the bottom of your Bibles. Um, you know, it's uh, stuff written by different scholars and, and students of the, the Bible that, that are very highly educated and have been studying it all their life and, and PhD'd themselves in the study of biblical uh, literature. And so they explain in layman's terms some of the um, content that's um, written in the Scripture. Um, but instead of doing that this week, instead of reading through the commentaries and reading the uh, research um, and accessing some of the information I normally do, I read First Peter over and over and over and over again too many times to count. And what was interesting is something stood out to me, a, a common theme, a thread that was throughout First Peter. And that would be the, the term of, of called, calling, um, that was literally put over and over again. Called, calling, or called. And I believe that there is a real purpose in that. And that's something that we're going to be focusing on today. That we are called to be different. Whenever you recognize that you've been chosen or called to do something, it builds this anticipation, right? It emboldens you and empowers you, kind of like when I was in kindergarten. And I was chosen, I was called, I was set apart to be the captain of the safety patrol. 
That's right, true story. Not just a member of the safety patrol, but the captain of the safety patrol. Not only was I was the captain, but I had my own little badge, and it would signify to anybody that was looking on that I was indeed the captain of the safety patrol unit. In fact, uh, I've got a couple of pictures uh, that you might see here uh, when I was about this age. Oh, you guys are too quick. The, the second photo was, was uh, you know, I was a little younger, but that was the cuter one of me. So I want to show I was cute once. And I figured I'd just kind of throw that in. But, but the other one with my sister, my, my cousin, that was about the age of, of my kindergarten. And see, my teacher recognized at an early age that I had a little bit of a problem. You know, I had a little bit of a problem sort of keeping in line with the rest of the class. Anyone else have that problem, keeping in line with the rest of the class? Tim? Oh, good. I, I, I don't see too many other. All the rest of you guys are studious. Uh, <laughs> so Mrs. Browse... Mrs. Browse determined that um, she was going to call upon me, and, and she determined that I would be chosen, and if I was given this task, possibly I might rise to the occasion. And that's exactly what happened. Anywhere, anytime, if you're wondering who the captain of the safety patrol was, I had my badge to let you know <laughs> that if you were walking too fast in the hallway, you might be creating a potential disruption. I would pull you aside. I would set you straight. I would encourage you. I would exhort you. I would command you to walk in order to keep safe. You guys are saying, no way. You were, you were running. I was able to run to catch up to them. If there was a fire drill at school... And it might have been real, because you never know when they're real or, or when they're practice. I would scour the room, making sure that everybody was gone, that no one was underneath a desk. I would go down the hallway and check the bathrooms. And once the room was checked, I would turn off the lights, close the door to secure that the room was empty. There was about 16 kids in our kindergarten. But there was a call, and I was equipped, I was appointed, appointed captain of the safety patrol. And there's something uh, about being assigned to do something, a a as little as it might have been in kindergarten, that just kind of creates a sense of anticipation, that really emboldens you. And, and I want to show you today that you are also called, you are called to something different. And when we talk about calling, a lot of times people kind of wonder, what am I called to do? What is God calling me to do? What does God want me to do? And what I want to do today is show you three different types of calling, but our focus is primarily going to be on the third one, the, the last one. But we're going to go through these three different types of calling. So the first type of calling, if you're taking notes, is what I call an, an eternal call to Christ. Look at that. We're up today. I got the A1 crew on it today. In fact, the Holy Spirit is doing work today all over the world as I speak. It's, it's winning people, it's drawing people, it's creating a, a spiritual hunger for spiritual things. Because it's God's will that no one, that no one should ever perish. God wants everyone to say yes, and then he has an extended invitation of grace through his son Jesus Christ. And when Peter writes about calling, he knew what it was like to be called by Jesus. 
We see this played out in a story in, in Luke chapter 5. Peter was you know, fishing and he, and he wasn't catching anything that day. And he had a rabbi with him in the back of the boat and, and, and he's fishing and, and they're just not catching anything. And Jesus says, get that net back in the water, boy. <laughs> you got some fish to catch. Peter's thinking, I'm the fisherman. You're the, you're the teacher. Let, let me do the fishing. Okay, you can teach when we get back. Jesus says, no, no, no. Get that net into the water. And he follows what Jesus says and what happens. Scripture says that he caught a great multitude of fish. So many that their nets broke. They, they had fish piled up in, in several boats. Can you imagine that all these fish go from no fish? An expert fisherman knows all the good spots. There's no fish today. They, they just ain't biting. There's, there's nothing today. Scripture didn't say that they, you know, had a decent haul and they were looking for more. It says there, there was nothing. And so now they got these boats and they're, they're recruiting people. Hey, we got to get all this fish in. Peter recognized that this was no ordinary man. This was a holy man. Peter fell on his knees before Jesus and he says, Get away from me or, or, or depart from me and in another version. For I'm a sinful person. Jesus said to Peter, hey, from now on you'll no longer just fish for fish. You're going to be fisher of men. Come and follow me. Jesus called Peter. He called Peter from out where he was to become a follower of Jesus. And Peter knew clearly that we are called to leave our own desires and to devote our lives to following Jesus. There is an eternal call to follow Christ. Second type of calling is what a lot of people get excited about. And this is called a temporary call to an assignment. A temporary call to an assignment. What is it? I was called to be the captain of the safety patrol. You might feel called to a particular role. You feel called to study something in college. You feel called to be a nurse. You feel called to be a teacher, you feel called to be a witness wherever you go, you feel called to go on a mission trip, you feel called to a certain part of the world to make a difference. This is a temporary call to an assignment. And if you're obedient to God, who knows, the doors he may lead you through and the many blessings that are in store for your spiritual life. But what I want to focus on today, though, is this, and this is what many people will overlook, but this is something our God is calling you to do in your life. And if you are a follower of Christ, this is number three, which is a daily call to a different standard. A daily call to a different standard. Our God is calling you daily to live to a different standard in your life. When we think of our calling, we tend to Think of the do, what am I called to do? But God starts with the who before he gets to the do. We've talked about this before. Our God is more concerned with who you are before he's concerned with what you do. Because if the who's not right, the do will never be right. If who you are is not correct, your, your do is not going to be correct. Whatever it is that you do will not be correct. God's concerned with motives, heart. He's concerned with integrity. These are the things that God worries about. And I like to think of it this way. When you know who you are, then you're going to know what to do. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. 
just like a couple of years back when social media got real big. Show of hands, you know, how many of you guys have used uh, Facebook or, or Instagram or Snapchat or YouTube or my book or your book or someone's got a book? Does everyone have their hands up? Put them up nice and high so, so I can see if you've never used social media before. How about, how about that? Who has never sh- used social media before? Okay, one, two, three. We got three. So pretty much everyone here has used it. When it first came out, like on, on Facebook, they had all sorts of, you know, they've got news stories. Some are real, some are not. Religious views, opinions. And you know, if you've ever been on there, there's all different sorts of topics that, that your friends, friends, I, I got like 350 friends, man. I've never had so many friends in my life. I am more popular in Facebook land than I've ever been. <laughs> but, you know, all sorts of stuff comes up, you know, people you went to school with, whether political, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I started seeing all these sorts of posts about all these sorts of stuff. And I wanted to weigh in. I wanted to say what was right and what was wrong. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Have you kind of experienced that? You saw something, someone wrote, and you went, no, no, I don't agree with that at all. (laughs) God doesn't agree with that at all. I don't know about you, but when, when I started getting all passionate about something, I tend to get a little overboard. Maybe a better description would be I get a little self-centered, maybe rude. Now, I've made comments before that would be deemed inconsiderate. And I remember this one time arguing over the Bible with this non-believer when suddenly I realized, wait a minute, I'm an adult, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a Christian. And I was just about to start seminary school to become a pastor. I knew this wasn't the way God would want me to behave. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Peter was writing to the group of first century believers that would have been tempted to forget who they were. They would have been tempted to forget who they were. They they were so hated. If you think that Christians are hated in our part of the world today, there's nothing compared to the persecution that these first century believers went through. We talked about it a little bit in week one, and we're going to talk about it more next week. But one of the things that society, they just had no idea of who Jesus' followers really were. And their misunderstandings were almost comical to us today. And I learned about this in seminary school. Uh, in fact, a very common idea that was skeptical, uh, the, the world that they lived in. Uh, if you were a Jesus follower, you were, uh, people considered you superstitious that you were incestuous, and that you were cannibals. True story. Superstitious, incestuous, cannibals. Superstitious because there were all these miracles that were going on, like magicians, and and Jesus was the chief magician. Oh, yeah, I've I've heard of all these miracles going on. And and this is the view of the non-believer during this time in Rome. They actually thought Christians were incestuous because they had these things called love feasts. Come to my agape feast, my love feast. And who do you think came to those feasts? But my brothers and sisters in Christ. Following me. 
my brother and sister in Christ, coming to our, our love feast. That's how weird it was. Like, oh, you're inviting your brothers and sisters to love feast. You guys are really, really weird. This is how misunderstood they are. Then they thought that they were cannibals because of the famous line that the Savior said, take and eat my body, which is broken for you. Can you believe this? This is what was going on. So here we have a world that hates Jesus' followers, that wants them dead, and completely misunderstands them. Completely. They didn't have Google to go look up what the Jesus follower really believed or what they did. If you were on the other part of the, the town and, and weren't involved in their life and didn't follow in this witness, they, they would hear these stories. And by the time telephone got to them, they're going, these, these guys are weirdos. These guys are really weird. So before Peter tells them what they're called to do, he's going to remind them of who they actually are. If you want to know what you're called to do, first start with the understanding of who you are. And I want you to understand that you are exactly who Peter describes these first century believers to be. Who are you? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Peter says this. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. You are a holy nation. Who are you? You are God's very own possession. For those of you who are followers of Christ, what I want you to understand is you've been chosen by God to be in his family. You're a royal priest. This is what meant so much to these first century Christian believers because they had this tremendous respect for the priesthood. And now they're going to be called the priesthood of believers, meaning that they're actually ministers of God. Even though they haven't been formally trained, they're filled with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. So they're called to make a difference in this world. But they're not different alone. They're different together. They're part of this holy nation. The kingdom of God. This world is not their home. But they are part of something broader and part of something bigger. And they are people belonging to God. Their bodies are not their own. They've been purchased with the blood of Jesus. They belong to God. And since they belong to God, they're under his care, under his goodness. And that is exactly who they are. He goes on to say, as a result, because you're a priest, a nation, God's very own possession, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. I love this right here. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. What did God do? For he called. He called everybody. He called me. What did he do? He called. Can everyone say that he called me? Let's do it again. He called me. For God called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. We've been called, we've been chosen, we've been invited. We're no longer are in the darkness, now we're in his light. Our lives have been transformed. We're not what we once were. We're a new creation. The old is gone, everything new has come. We've been transformed by the love of Jesus. And we've been set apart and called. What a scripture. You know, when we know who we are, it'll become clear of what we're called to do. 
And the good news is that the skeptical world today that doesn't like Christians typically doesn't call us superstitious, incestuous cannibals, right? It's a pretty rare interpretation. We're not hearing that too much. But the bad news is, is there's a skeptical world out there today that looks at followers of Christ and calls us self-righteous, judgmental, intolerant bigots. Have you ever heard of that before? Everyone's hands should be up. And, and that's the world we live in today, what we have to wrestle with today. And tragically, there are so many so-called Christians that have rightly earned these titles, right? Uh, you can look at these current events and, and see, and I would argue by demon-possessed people, spewing hate and bigotry in the name of God. Would Jesus approve of this? Is this what Jesus was calling his apostles to do? Get your kids, bring them on board, raise them right from a a young age. This is what's going on in the world if you haven't seen. There are Christian pastors preaching to go kill the abortion clinic doctors. This is what's going on in the world today. This is something that's unacceptable to the church and a sin against God. And you see this done all the time. And this is the image that we have to be up against. And Peter's going to say the same thing to those first century Christians, the same thing to us. This is your different daily calling to represent Jesus in a skeptical world. Here it is, if you want to know what you are called to do. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, 11 through 12. One, you'll know who you are. And two, you'll see what you're called to do. Starting in verse 11. Peter says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. See, here it is again. This world is not your home. You're not from here. Therefore, you follow a different standard. This world is not your home. I warn you to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. What is Peter saying? Live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Notice what Peter doesn't say. He doesn't say, first you have to convince them to believe like we believe. He doesn't say that. What he says is, we're going to show them what we believe by how we behave. We're going to live honorably. And I believe with all my heart that in today's culture, there are times that we need to start by professing the name of Jesus. But so often we have to earn credibility by treating people with love. Treating people with respect, treating people with grace before we even earn the right to be heard. We need to show people what we believe by how we behave. And that builds a bridge across that skeptical people of society today so that we can then share with them the love of Jesus. In other words, before I tell you what I believe, first I want to show you love in the way that I live. 
And I believe as Christians, this is so important, especially today. There's been a lot of damage that's been done. Remember the context again of this scripture. So we're talking about today, we're remembering the context that this that Peter's writing to these very persecuting her and Christians as well. Misunderstood. They thought they were off running around together doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Talk about, you know, confused. And here's Peter. He's writing with real confidence as he continues to encourage these displaced and severely persecuted believers to live righteously, to live boldly. Notice he isn't saying, you better be prepared, to be defensive, be ready to wage war against your enemy. Get ready. Now we also know that there are situations to defend the, the gospel, but this is living through it. All right? One of my po- uh, coaches growing up um, had a saying, he used to say, the best defense is what? Anyone heard this before? The best defense is a good offense. Best defense is a good offense, right? The Patriots might need that this season after Thursday. The best defense is a good offense. Sometimes the best defense is actually a good offense to show the goodness of God in the way that we actually live out our lives. For example, earlier when I told you I used to get caught up in these social media wars, I mean, I'd really challenge some people. These were hot topics. The Bible, abortion, etc., if they didn't share my new Christian beliefs, it was on. As a newcomer to Christ, I had my sword out. Sort of like who? Peter. Just like Peter, right? He took off the ear, and, and, and what did Christ say? Man, put that thing away. You don't see me doing this anymore. Um, but it's not because I don't care. You, know, my, you might ask, you know, aren't these the issues that we should be fighting for? And, and of course they are. These are important issues. But I now believe that it's my best defense is my offense, which is found in my calling to be the church. All believers are called to be the church. And through the church is where God will use me, use us, To make our biggest difference. We are called daily to carry our cross. To deny ourselves. To strive to live out our lives as Christ lived. How can I share the love of Jesus with others when I'm not living it? How am I going to do it? if we're persecuted against, if there are trials we're going through, rather than defending ourselves against a misguided accusation, and it's going to happen, someone somewhere will not like our fellowship, there will be attacks. Instead of attacking them back, we're going to lead the way with irrational generosity because we truly believe it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. What we're going to do is we recognize we're not spiritual consumers, We're spiritual contributors. The church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. We're not going to be known as Jesus followers for what we're against. We're going to be known for who we're for. 
in what we stand for. And this will be the best defense, which is a really, really strong offense. Peter says, live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then a couple of verses later, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15, I, I love, and he says this. It's God's will. What is God's will for your life? Here's God's will. It's God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. It's the way you live. It's not, not just what you post on social media. It's the way that you live that silences the talk of people who simply just don't know it any way better, right? What's our strategy? Confidently, boldly, share the love of Jesus. Love irrationally. Give extravagantly. Serve people faithfully. And do it every day of our lives. And we might not reach everyone. But over time, with consistency and integrity, we'll reach some. And if we live rightly in a way that truly gets the attention to the world. He goes on to say in verse 21, Do you, at the cross, want to know what you're called to do? Here's what you're called to do. For call, God called you to do good. That's your calling, to do good. To, good. to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. Here's what I hope you understand. There will be times when you do good and you suffer. It says, just as Christ suffered for you. There are Christians that Peter was writing to, they would suffer in ways that go beyond our understanding. Especially in this western part of the world. And we're so incredibly blessed where we are. But what I pray that you will receive if you're living out your faith, you can expect you may not get that promotion because you're living boldly for Jesus. You may not get invited to the party because you're living boldly for Jesus. The other students in your school might make fun of you because you're living boldly for Jesus. But you continue to live with the love of Jesus because it's the right thing to do and you will continue to do good. He goes on to say that Jesus is your example and you must follow in his steps. What was Jesus? He was loving. He was gentle. He was kind. He was full of grace. What was he not? He was never arrogant. He was never condescending. He was never rude, right? Do we read about this Jesus? He was never proud. He was never defensive. He was never hateful. Who was Jesus? He was the sinless son of God who loved the unlovable, who showed grace to those who were offensive. Who did he hang out with? And and this is how Peter describes him in in verse 22 through 24. And I I want you to feel the weight of these words as Peter describes his Savior and, and our Savior. Feel the weight of this. He says of Jesus that he never sinned, nor ever deceived anybody. He didn't retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross 
so that we could be dead to sin and to live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. This is our Savior. This is our Lord. This is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. This is Jesus, the one who never sinned, never retaliated when someone ever wronged him. Jesus was killed because he was so different. The world didn't know what to do with him. The religious people at the time said, we've got to get rid of this guy. He's a threat. He carried our sins on the cross so we could be dead from sin. Different from the ways of this world. So we could stand out. Be set apart. Jesus showed us how to be different. He walked a life that was different from anything anyone's ever seen before. And he left us a model of how to do that. And Peter goes on to show us how we're called to be different. And we're called to be different in a way that you cannot even imagine. Let's be honest, people who are not followers of Jesus do many great and, and good uh, things every single day. They, they do. I mean, some of the most nicest people that I've ever met don't believe in God, don't go to church, but they have incredibly giving hearts. They're willing to help anybody. There's some just absolutely amazing people that don't believe in God. But what Peter's about to say takes faithfulness and obedience. Why is it not good enough for us just to be good people? And giving people and helpful people. This is what I used to think. God, God's going to send me to hell? I, I, I'm a good person. I want to help people. I'm going to do good things. God's calling for our faithfulness, our obedience to a whole nother level here when he's calling us to be different. Because what normal is, normal is what you do something good to somebody, uh, you expect them to do it back, right? That's normal. Do something good to them, they're going to treat you that's the way it goes. What, 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 comes on, what comes back to me is fair. But when someone hurts you, normal is to what? Hurt them back, right? That's the world we live in. If someone hurts you, it's normal to hurt them back. If someone hates you, it's normal to hate them back. If someone wrongs you, it's okay to wrong them back. When someone's critical of you, normal is to be critical back. This is what Peter says you are called to do. You don't just have an eternal call to follow Christ. You don't just have a temporary call on an assignment. But listen to me, you have a daily call to live different. When you know who you are, you're going to know what to do. And there's somebody out here, I, I know I'm talking to someone, and you've been wronged before. Been wronged, you've been hurt, you've been offended recently. And you're about to see an opportunity that you have to be called by God to respond in a different way. Different way. And this is what Peter is going to say in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. What are you called to do? This is it. He says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, what do what uh, Jesus' followers called to do? Repay them back with a blessing. Don't miss this. Let this soak in. We are called to do. What are we called to do? We don't repay evil for evil. We don't retaliate with insults when when people insult us. Instead, we pay that back with a blessing. This is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. 
What are we called to do when someone asks us to go to a mile for them? We're going to go too. When someone asks for our shirts, we're going to give them our jacket too. When someone curses us, we bless them back. And whenever someone hates us, we pray for them and we show them love. This is very hard to do. This is called being different. This is called being set apart. And these are the challenges that we live upon. And can you imagine the people reading this? They're going, they're burning us like human candles. Do do you see what's happening over here? Can you imagine this calling? But yet they were called to be different. And I believe that they were. Here's why I hope you'll understand. You're on call. You're on call here at the cross. And, and I want you to know that, that I'm on call. I'm on call 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, to our body here. I'm on call. If you're going through a struggle, if you need someone to pray with, you, you, if you need to study with somebody, if you just need to talk, if you need to cry, whatever it is, I'm on call as your pastor to serve you. There's emergencies that come up during the week. No matter the situation, if you need anything, if you need a prayer, if you just need to talk, I'm available to you. But what I hope that you understand is, is if you're a follower of Christ and you know who you are, you are chosen by God, you are all in his royal priesthood, you are a holy nation, you are a people belonging to God, therefore you are also on call to love when someone has need of love. You're on call to give when somebody has a need. You're on call to show love to someone who feels lonely. You're on call. You're on call. You're on call. And what I love about being the captain of the safety patrol is that I, I had already been vetted by the teacher. I had already passed my FBI background check, if you will. I can pass one now, but I could back then. I checked out, and therefore any time there was an errand to be run... Who do you think that Mrs. Browse called upon? You guessed it, Captain of the Safety Patrol. So my teacher would take out a nice little piece of paper. She would put Nicholas Austin Davis on it, and she would give it to me, and it was called a hall pass. Now I'd take that hall pass, and I could walk anywhere I needed to go. So if I had an errand and I was walking with my hall pass, the teacher would say, Mr. Davis, where do you think you're going? I would say, I have my hall pass. I've been vetted. I've been called. I've been authorized. I could say very confidently that I was on a very important assignment. I have permission. I'm going somewhere. I'm doing something important. And what I hope you'll, you'll know is that you have a hall pass. It's called the living word of God. And it tells you who you are. It tells you what you're called to do. It's telling you where you're called to go. Anytime that the devil tells you you can't, that you're not important, that you're not good enough, you say, no, 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 no. It says right here, I've been chosen by God. Right here, I've been chosen by God. I'm a royal priest. Here I am. I'm a holy nation. 
I'm a people belonging to God. And God put me on assignment. I don't just have an assignment. This isn't a temporary assignment. I have a daily assignment to live differently. I have a daily assignment to, to light up the name of Jesus. I have a daily assignment to show the love of God. And if you're someone that's struggling and, and you can't, they can't get their lawn mowed, guess what? I might have a mowing ministry, right? I might have a mowing ministry. I'm on call. I have a mowing ministry. If I'm in the grocery store and, and, and someone can't pay for the rest of their groceries and I have an extra 20 bucks, I'm on call to be in the supermarket ministry. Here you go. I've got an extra $20. there's someone who's being bullied, if there's a, a group of people who are being left out, guess what, student? You're on call. You're on call to give a loving hand to the person that is being insulted or being left out. Touch your neighbor and tell them that you're on call. Touch your neighbor and tell them you're on call. You're on call, you're on call, you're on call. I'm on call. Feel it. I'm on call. Right? I'm on call. You may not be able to get out of the building that you're in today without stopping to pray for somebody. You're on call. Not be able to go to your next meal without finding someone who's in need. Why? Because you're on call. You're on call. Each and every day, I encourage you to start your day with a prayer to God and, and during that time, ask Him to give you the eyes to see the need of the people that you will encounter throughout your day. And ask him to give you a heart to care for all those who, who might be hurting, that you're going to see, that you've been called to reach. Our God has called you to a different daily standard. What do we do by the way we live? We show up for work on time, we do a good job, we pay our bills, we pay things back. We're a blessing to people. We're a voice of encouragement, presence in the office. We're not messengers of gossip. We're messengers of hope. We build people up. Our best defense is a good offense. We, we show love. When, when they laugh, we continue to show love. When they criticize us, we continue to show love. Why? Because Jesus, this sinless Son of God, He did not retaliate. He was our living example. He bore our sins in his body that we could have eternal life. And God says we've been called out of the darkness into the light and the light shines bright into this dark world. If you follow Christ, you're not who you once were. You're a new creation and we're made perfect in him. Not because of what we do, but because of what he did. We are redeemed through his blood and we have been set free through his grace. This is the great invitation to all of you. If his word has called on your heart today, the Holy Spirit has been at work with you today, listen to him and don't ignore him. Together we are a living example of his love. I invite you today to come forward if you're hurting And we have a whole body here to pray for you. If you want Jesus in your life today and you want to know, what's my next step? What do I need to do? 
Our God, he's always calling. Are you ready to listen? Today, right now, you can give your life to Jesus. You can be forgiven of every sin that you've ever committed against him. You will receive a gift that's not of this world. His Holy Spirit that will make you a new creature that's in him. Allow him in. Let him guide you. Let him comfort you. Let him exalt you. Let me tell you something. Life is so much easier once you do. Right? Once you have the gift of the Spirit that's alive in you, and you only need to call on his name. Repent of your sins. Turn in that old life that you had. The one that's been beat down. The one that's been of this world. That one that is not any different. Say that you can become a new creature in him. And if you'd rather pray today after services, we do have people that would be willing to pray with you after services if you're not willing to come forward today. Here is calling to be different. I encourage you. I urge you. And will you please stand as we sing our invitation song today. And the invitation song is You Have Won Me by Bethel Music.